Around the NFL Podcast. Three wise men. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. I'm Dan Hansis. We joined in a virtual room. Build with some heroes, Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. Um, I, I think, and I'll have to double check the schedule, but I think week 15's over. <laughs> I mean, I think Don't this is sure. the first ever Tuesday night pod we've ever done. Um, and it's also the first Tuesday doubleheader in the NFL I saw since 1934. So how about that? And of course, we have um, you know a nice little off day tomorrow from games, but then we have a game on Thursday, Friday, Saturdays, Sunday, and Monday. Is that all? Check out. I don't think there's a there's no Friday game. You'll there's see. Friday. Yeah, let yeah TBD on that, Greg. Don't be uh, you know let. I was thinking about it. The um, we were talking about the NFL slogan and biggest season ever and. Uh, Football was family, but then I was thinking about, you know, football is family. What if football actually replaced family? So football is family. Like that's it. This well, it fo- I mean, it kind of became family tonight. Well, we were all at the Rams game together that's with true. our families in the same section. Dan was with his in-laws because he's hit a doubleheader at uh, SoFi on a Thursday and a Tuesday night. But Mark with his family, me with mine, and you with your in-laws. I mean, that that is football, just that bringing us together. Pretty good. Pigskin. Pretty good. I would just ask, though, like, I mean, I, I'm old school. I come from the Unsolved Mysteries uh, world where, you know, Daddy has two families. What about my second family? They weren't there. Do they feel left out? <laughs> I was wondering, I was looking around because I, I didn't even realize it, but now I bookended this never-ending week of NFL action. I was at the first game and the last game um, at SoFi Stadium, and I was looking around for you, Mark, and your second family. You're like <laughs> six-foot-one Amazon blonde wife and your uh, triplets that you have with that family, in addition to your beautiful family with Simone and the two boys that we sure. saw tonight. Well, no, it's not. it's not taking away from the primary unit, um, the, that mm-hmm. conglomerate. But the second family, they were in the 500 section. Mm. So I had to, like, at one point, if you saw me not around, <laughs> I, had to, I had to maneuver to the other side of the state. They can't be close together. So you've got – it's a lot of maneuvering, Dan. Well, you were, you were a hero dad here. You, there's a great dad nice work, move. You, you know, you – Colton and Simone had to come uh, a little later. Um, but you got some quality sure. time, just Luke early. And I could feel like this inner toy- turmoil with Mark because, you know, on this podcast, he's given the Rams the business sometimes over the years. And here sometimes. we are enjoying um, a Rams game, you know, some seats. And, uh, you know, I, kind of as NFL employees, we got to we got to go there and um, you could feel the turmoil. I wasn't feeling any turmoil. It was just a nice night with the family, <laughs> watch some football. Uh, Mark seemed to be... Feeling like he had been owned by by a well, corporation. I think the the or Rams have won. I think both of my children in this <laughs> primary unit family, family one, uh, these two boys are Rams fans. I cannot speak to the triplets. Um, birth of the giantess. Uh, the that that the whole, whole you know, deal. In the uh, world of organized crime, Friday nights are for the Gumar, Saturday nights are for the wife. For Mark, right. you know, Monday nights are for the five hundred club. Sunday nights are for what club seats? I don't know. You tell me. 
for the giantess. I will, I will tell you, probably not on this show. I will tell She's you. She's so much time. taller than you, by the way. It's l- legitimately off-putting when I see you together. You go know, up to her armpit. I know, beautiful she, woman. That was that's something that she was very. She found very appealing. So what what am I supposed to tell you? All right. So you know, it is a long week. It is Christmas week. So we're going to try to move through the last four games with some level of uh, urgency. But we're also going to hit the games the way you deserve, the listener. So we're going to hit the two Monday night games, including Mark the Browns. I'm sorry, and then uh, the two Tuesday night games, and finally we'll put a bow on week 15 so let's start with the game we were at tonight in hollywood park in inglewood uh california uh whose house is it ram's house (laughs) where he looks initially gets through it drives the ball down the right seat cooper cup has the catch middle of the field at the 10 five touchdown la cooper cup with his second touchdown of the second half and the rams are back on the high side Cooper Cup was added again for the Los Angeles Rams. The wide receiver caught nine more passes for 136 yards in both of Matthew Stafford's touchdown passes and a 20-10 win by the home team over the Seattle Seahawks. Bye-bye, Seattle Seahawks. It's over for you. You're 5-9, Mark. I mean, you've had many takes that have gone sideways in recent weeks, but this one I know was one that you wanted to get right. You got this one right because the Seahawks aren't coming back and and fitting to this season, Mark, for Seattle. Where really, I mean, you could even go before Russell Wilson's finger injury, but really certainly after it when he came back, things were never right. And this was another game where the Rams' defense dictated the flow of the game. Uh, They got after Russell Wilson. Wilson missed on some throws. And at the end of the day, uh, Seattle scoring 10 points in a must-win game tells the story of their season. Uh, they were punchless, and I'll take any contest at this point where you go in thinking something will happen and it actually happens. Um, the Ra- <laughs> this was not this was not the the Rams uh, victory from a couple of weeks ago where we're thinking like this is the Super Bowl streamer. It's like they are what they are, and like uh, they took care of business tonight. Um, I know at one point uh, sitting behind Greg, uh, who was he pulled his little notebook out. And he's taking notes about the game. And Luke, my child, asked me, like, why aren't you taking notes, Daddy? (laughs) And it's like, I'm just not the same level of professional. Why isn't that man in the green jacket living in the moment, Daddy? Right, right. That's so not true. Give me a break living in the moment. That actually did happen. That actually did happen. He's like, why? Because, you know, my child is very into what Dan and Greg are doing. It's like, why is Greg taking notes and I, you're I, not it's like i like to I everyone's got its own everyone's got their own thing what mark likes is 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 every time i turn around during the game he just likes to say i i have no idea what's happened in this game i'm watching my children i'm not sure exactly what's happened i'm like yeah, you've got the general idea you know there's only six points in the first half uh that dan damn dan summed it up nicely i i was did start watching or started thinking in the second half of this game like how how much could more could a receiver do to try to win an MVP than Cooper Cup is doing right now? Like the two throws that are you going there? The two throws that Cup caught down the field wasn't yes. like he won on those two routes. He just he 
he just won and had the confidence of Stafford that he was going to go make a play. And that's great. Like we've seen receivers like that, but they're also using him in so many different ways, like in the screen game, in every sort of way possible. And the numbers are just outrageous. I think I would have a hard time doing it, but it is a weird year where quarterbacks haven't totally been as good as they normally are. And like this game, like they don't win this game without Cooper Cup. They looked a little sluggish. They didn't practice much because of all their COVID issues. I think we think because most of the guy, these guys are back, they were still missing four or five stars. Everything's fine. I don't know. The, the play was a little sloppy in general across the NFL offensively this week. And certainly the Rams had these penalties and mental mistakes, uh, but they got over it in large part because they have Cooper Cup on their team and, and no one else does. Yeah, we're not here to carry any water for the league. I mean, you got to call it like it is. And COVID is rampaging through the sport right now. And just the nature of this new variant, you're just seeing it every day, name after name after name. And yes, some of these guys are asymptomatic. Some of these guys are able to get clear before kickoff, but you're taking people out of practice. You're taking teams out of routines. And I think it is causing, uh, I think the last two days, there was not a lot of good football in terms of what you see. It's a Tuesday afternoon game at 4 p.m., you know, which the whole thing just, how could it not feel weird? It was weird. It, it absolutely was, and and the Rams placed up to 29 players on the reserve COVID-19 list over the past 10 days. They played without three starters. Now, Seattle's missing some starters, too, including Tyler Lockett, who I think was badly missed. But I want to point out, to me, the play of the game, and it really spoke to so much of what has kind of haunted the Seahawks in what's now a lost season. It is 17-10. to 10. Uh, the Seahawks had a 10-3 lead early in the second half. The Rams even it up on a cup touchdown. They go ahead on another cup touchdown, but Seattle has a chance to draw even. And on a third and 14 at the Seattle 38 with seven and seven fifty six to go in the fourth quarter, Russell Wilson drops back the pass. He gets protection, which was not a case uh, throughout the game. And he has DK Metcalf, who has Jalen, uh, he has Jalen Ramsey beat by a few steps and you guys, you were there in the stadium too. We were in the same section. Uh, that is a touchdown. If I, I don't know if it's Russell Wilson's finger. I don't know if Russell Wilson just having a bad year. I don't know what it is, but he hangs up and we all know our old producer TD famously said, Russell Wilson throws a sexy deep ball. If he puts a little more into it and leads mm. his receiver, it's 17, 17 uh, at the midpoint of the fourth quarter. And the Seahawks are in business. And instead he hangs the ball up. Now that's a tough throw. But that's a throw that that Russell Wilson has made a a thousand times. It's the type of throw that's going to put him in the Hall of Fame one day. And I just thought that made me think. He hung it up. It allowed uh, Ramsey to get back into the play, knock it away. They punted it. And that was the closest they ever came. That really stood out to me. I agree. He he missed Lockett. Lockett's been the true one, not Metcalf, you know, since since Russell Wilson came back, but really throughout the course of this season, Metcalf gets 12 targets tonight, a lot of them in garbage time and not a lot of production. There is a part of me that just thinks no matter how hard Russell Wilson threw that ball, that Jalen Ramsey will somehow just like sprint and catch up with it. Cause I, I spent the, the game watching that matchup, just watching Jalen Ramsey, basically every snap. So I felt like I was missing a lot of like nine yard Rashad Penny runs, but there was Jalen Ramsey, on DK Metcalf, I would say about two-thirds, three-quarters of the snap. Someone with stats will prove me wrong. But just watching it, that's what it felt like. And my God, like, his, like, closing speed and his ability to 
kind of guess what Metcalf was was going to do. It's like DK Metcalf is not the type of route runner that's going to give Jalen Ramsey problems in general. Maybe he, he was beat on that play. Maybe he wasn't going to catch up in general, but that was watching a guy, Jalen Ramsey, just like at his absolute peak, pretty much dominating another great player. And then, right, and then Greg, to your that, point, Dan, that one that play 22 on that one. And I yeah, no, 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 you're right. He had him beat because I, it's a different one, game and it's a different that, story around right, Jalen Ramsey, right? Yeah. That's one play though. In general, like Wilson they're trying to sell these inside moves and stuff. He's not biting and his closing speed. It was just, it's just crazy. This team has the best receiver in the league, the best cornerback and the best defensive tackle all on the same team. I think yeah. also another story for the Rams, like Sonny Michelle games in a row now, has dominated carries and been good for them. And tonight it wasn't, you know, he wasn't the story of the game, but it's like they've found something on the ground in Sony Michelle, which was, you know, a not not someone they knew would come in and dominate. It, 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 he's been a big part of with their offense and it gives them some balance. All right. So there you go. And yes, the Seahawks, it's, it's pretty much a wrap now. Uh, that is their ninth loss. So any chance to get mm. back to the playoffs, they'd have to win out in some crazy out. stuff. Ram, Rams have a chance here to get up to like, I mean, they could get really high, but they're tied with the Cardinals in the division. Uh, they don't have the tie break now, but the Cardinals have a tough schedule. So do the Rams the next three weeks, but they, they can go win that division. Are there any like, I know we'll, we'll go through the other games quicker, but were there any uh, kind of like experiences at the game, Mark, that, that stand out to you in this one? <laughs> any Or any like ga- like game experience? I'll, I'll point out one. When Jim Everett... Um, as they were trying to snap the ball, they were already coming back from commercial. And um I believe it's Kirsten Watson um, who was doing the, you know, the in-game. She works with, with Henry. You guys met her the other day. She She's Very like nice trying time. to yeah. take the microphone back from Jim Everett because the game is about to start. And Everett is like grabbing the microphone, being like, I've always wanted to do this. Whose house? And I'm just thinking, like, are they already back on Fox, like waiting for this uh, delay in the game? I enjoyed that. <laughs> I, I was enjoying it. I was getting some Susie Colbert vibes off the whole yes, thing, and, yes, and, exactly. and I'll leave it uh, at that. It's a, it is very interesting, again, having gone to the Thursday game against the Chiefs where it was Chargers, their setup, and then going Tuesday for the Rams game, their setup. It's a very different, very different fan experience, um, and, and I think uh, that's by design. I think the Rams and Chargers – I mean, just the Rams flex in general, their whole slogan is whose house is this? It's the Rams house. That is a very mm. uh, pointed, I think, very pointed, not just to get the fans pumped up, but hey, Chargers, you live in our house. That's that. That's kind of fun. I, li- I like the heat you sense between the Rams and Chargers, whether it's the billboards or how things are presented. It's fun. And it's a beautiful stadium. It really was. That was a lot of fun. I think they grabbed that slogan um, early and with authority, and that was good for them. I mean, I, nice my one. my one note would be that this was the first time that I took my two boys to any NFL game, and you, you had that experience, um, both of you, in previous times. It's just like uh, that was pretty crazy, and that's why I think I'm a little bit in a, a nether world right now because they they it it really really affected them and they loved it, and so they loved it. They were having they a blast. did they were having a great time, and they gave all all children or I guess adults too. I didn't grasp on to mine, but they gave all um, humans like little flags to wave if you wanted to wave them. And I gave mine to, I mean, our children had all, all the flags and like, they love that. So, but Perhaps. I'm a mess. Like I'm a mess. I had a great night. And like, honestly, I don't really care that much about anything. It's like after what happened with the Browns game, which we'll get into, it's like, I need football to e- equal something positive, something at all that has meaning. 
and tonight did. So I wow. really appreciate that we got Good. to go to that game. That's wow, good. that was emotional. Perhaps, Mark, you're waving the white flag on your issues with the Los Angeles Rams as a football organization. I have put my issues <laughs> with them, which were largely, you know, um, tied Oh, I can pull up our... some text right now, so let's be, yes, be careful. Yes, you could, but about, I have put them in know. the past. So it's like, you know, when it, sometimes <laughs> like when Hulk Hogan and Randy Macho Man Savage back in like 87 did that handshake in the middle of the ring and everyone could feel it. Maybe that's what's happened. Maybe. Maybe that's what's going on right now. Maybe. Maybe, Mark. All right. Let's head All to... All right. Well, whatever. Let's head... I can, to... si- I can sign off, too, if you two want to have a real conversation about no, the other No, we need to have you on okay. for the Browns right. talk because we're heading to Cleveland next. Okay. This will be a 48-yarder for the win. Dead on. Yes. The Raiders sideline explodes. I give a jackpot, partner. Jackpot. <laughs> you go. Hey, Musburger. Come on, bud. I know. Listen, we're all tired. But that's a big win for the team that you cover. And Lincoln Kennedy's telling you to hit the jackpot in a big spot because Daniel Carlson stepped up. That guy's a good-ass kicker. Drills the 48-yarder at the gun, allowing the Raiders to escape. And I I, I stress the word escape. Uh, The dog pound with a 16-14 win. A game, speaking of COVID-19, obviously played a big role here. It's why the game was moved to Tuesday. It's why Nick Mullins was the starting quarterback uh, for the Browns. It's why Jarvis Landry wasn't anywhere near the field. It's why so many players were out. And yet, Mark Sessler, Cleveland really did put together a strong effort here, uh, especially on defense. Mullins, uh, I thought, played well. He played within himself. Um, but ultimately, when they needed to get one more stop and they were missing yet another player, Miles Garrett was, was banged up with a groin injury. They couldn't get that last defensive stop, and Derek Card, he, he, he deserves credit for getting that team set up for the game winner. Yeah, and I think the stop came after a Browns drive that um, I think fairly has received some criticism where they ran the ball three times in a row. I get what's happening. Like, you don't have Kevin Stefanski there. Alex Van Pelt is in there calling plays, and he's not going to go, um, you know, uber creative or create some sort of controversial type call. I think that's, you know, a little bit of a factor. But uh, the Browns on that drive, I thought, were a little conservative when they had a chance with Nick Mullins, who was warming up at that point. This was a, a you know, I know they lost. It was a courageous um, performance by the Browns, and I don't say that in a cheesy way. I just think that they, with all the stuff stacked against them, like it had the feel to me as a you know 40-year Browns fan of a game that they were going to win. I, I really felt that up until the very end. You tweeted I, it out when they were down like, I can't remember what the score was. Was it 10 nothing at the time you tweeted that out? Something like that? Or 14? I or, believe that we thir- will win. 13 nothing. I felt it. It was like 13-3, right. and you were like, the Browns are winning this game. I absolutely, you're right. You're absolutely right. I felt it, and like, um, it, it didn't happen. Um, it, 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 and it obviously pivots Cleveland's season to such drastic um, measures because they would have been leading the division, not that they deserve to, um, but not that they deserve to be last in the division either because I think they're plucky. I think they have fight. Um, you know, you look at who they did not have in this game. I thought the defense for weeks in a row has carried them, and it carried them in this game too. I thought, you know, if you look at the first quarter plus, you would have thought that maybe Derek Carr and the Raiders would have just taken control of this game and won it 26 to 10 or something. They, they were moving the ball well, but Cleveland's defense uh, heated up. Nick Mullins heated up. Um, they just 
they didn't have enough guys. They just didn't have enough dudes like on the field, and like a, a, enough stuff happened to counter their their apparent um, attempts to to win this game. Um, it broke my heart. I think this is a Browns game that hurt me more than uh, the Chiefs' loss last year in the playoffs, than many many losses this season mm. that have been frustrating. It just was like the quintessential attempt at all the odds stacked against you. You've got a chance. They had a chance. I thought they made the most of it. Um, you don't have your head coach on the field. How many times can that happen to Cleveland? That's twice in the last, you know, seven calendar months. He's uh, Twelve, you. whatever. Uh, and I, you know what? I, I, I left. I left a little broken. And I, and and then and then it was like, now sit down and watch the Bears and Vikings. Like, please. I, I, I honestly, <laughs> it kind of, it kind of slapped me over the head and said the season is over. But actually. And, you know, it was Greg who sent us a text in the minutes after this game that said, I, I see a fight in this team, I, this Browns team. I'm not sure the season's over. And I kind of take something from that because the AFC is so weird. It's so convoluted. It's so beguiling that who knows what will happen over the next three weeks. I don't count them out yet, but I'm not pleased with what happened, with, with what occurred yesterday. I'm not sure the better team won on any level. Uh, this Raiders mm. team is a floating ship. Of course you can't count the Browns out because the – just like you said, if they won yesterday, they would have been in first place, and they lost, so they're in last place. So that division is so wide open. Even by, you know, these people say that all the time. Oh, it's a wide open division. No, the AFC North is a wide open division. So that is far from over. Um, you know, the Browns have been such an up-and-down operation all season uh, that I think in a weird way, putting their back against the wall with all these injuries made them more likable and made them kind of back they're kind of back in that underdog corner, which I think, Mark, you were, you, you and so many other Browns fell in love with this <laughs> Baker Mayfield Browns. Well, I prefer team that spot were. for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So you were back in that corner. Now, I'll say this because I think the um, the Raiders on this podcast were counted out by a certain host after last week. And here's the thing: I'll give the Raiders credit uh, for winning this game, but I think the only way the Raiders are seven and seven right now is an act of God. And let's count, I don't know who's God, but let's count this COVID-19 uh, variant as that act of God because I think the Raiders are still ready to go home at 7-7, seven and seven, but they just happened to find a team uh, that was so beat up that they were allowed to hang in that game. And credit to Derek Carr, who looked like he had thrown the season away with the interception. He gets another chance, takes him down the field. I thought, here's the thing, the Browns, yes, they they played – a strategic brand of football on their last drive. They said, we're going to kill the clock as much as we can. We're going to get rid of the timeouts. It's a basic game plan that we've been hearing forever that maybe is not as popular anymore. The only reason I, I disagreed with it, Greg, was the Nick Mullins. I know he's was just on the practice squad and has barely played in a year, but he was so smart the way he played, and he wasn't taking crazy risks and I kind of trusted him in that spot to either make the play or not make a hideous mistake. And they just didn't give him the, the shot there. I, I would have liked to seen it, but I also didn't have a problem with the play because it was third and three because they had gained seven yards on the on the last two runs, you know, like and they were giving it to their best player. If it was third and six, they would have thrown it. It is a shame because. Nick Mullins is the master of the four to five yard throw. I mean, that's what he did the whole night. He played within himself. You, you said it, uh, you know, until he really needed to play out like on that fourth down, like he had a really clean, nice game. And yeah, if you had 
done some sort of play action or something where he has a couple of op- options quick. I would have trusted him to do it. But the reason they got back in that game wasn't Nick Mullins. It was Nick Chubb going over left tackle where Joel Batonio was playing out of position on those sweeps and stuff. Like those were the big plays. And so they went back to what had been working and what got them seven yards on the two previous plays. So I, ex- I didn't have a huge problem. I just think uh, it didn't work on that play. And that was, that was so, so unfortunate because at that point when they intercepted the ball and, and Mark's first words, he said to me at the Rams game today, were just like, I'm broken. I, you know, I don't know if I can get back to football after yesterday. I've felt so, so bad, so sad, but I get it because it was an inspiring game. The Raiders did not deserve to win it. They, they, went out of their way to freaking gag it. I mean, that game should have been over so many times earlier. Car fumbles, you know, it was a good play. JOK has been amazing for Cleveland. Just Thank you for what saying a, that. Like, what, what a player. A player. Like, I've been, been meas- meaning to say, like, he is a yeah. home run uh, draft pick. But they, they're dropping pa- – it mostly wasn't car, but they're dropping passes. <laughs> they're making all these mistakes. And then and he fumbles the ball – they give up the lead to Mullins. Then he throws the interception, and you only have to get one first down to win it. At that place, at that point, Cleveland was on fire. Like Shook was killing himself that he didn't go to that game down the street. Uh, and then a, a few minutes later, he was like, "Yep, that's why I didn't go." That, I appreciate you I saying that. Like, I mean, I, I like <laughs> JOK number one. I think is um, I know he missed some games, and that kind of took some of the heat off of his, uh, you know, Q rating. But like, what a player he's been. Um, I, I, this game hurt me to the point where today is not, is totally surreal. What happened after is totally surreal. It's like, how quickly can I get an Uber that I order to drive off the I-10? Where is the female assassin? Like it's over. Like you feel, well, here's the thing. Everyone's here's the thing. They play the AFC North schedule and it's like, I don't want to hear about it. Like I don't care. All they got to do is go win their last two games in the North, which is what Steelers, Steelers, Bengals. They are a team even if they lose to the Packers, break. if they if they win those, even if they lose to the Packers this week, if they win those two division games, I think it's doable. I think they've shown some fight these last two weeks. They Can do we, have yeah. fight. They do have fight. But that's just simply <laughs> to set me up to get pulled back in because I I already know everyone's like they're going to get romped by the Packers. They'll probably beat the Packers, and then I will be so far pulled back into this um, anti matrix. Just hit me with a bow and arrow. So. Can we just, Mark, and, you know, we all, and I know the listeners do appreciate your fandom and how passionate you are and how you you live and die, typically die with the Browns, but can we just dispense with the charade uh, in future seasons about when you go through those things where you don't care about the team anymore and you don't really, it doesn't matter, because you've been down on this team all year, and now you're saying your life is basically up in flames because they lost last night to to fall to seven and seven. I. And I'm saying I'm all for your passion. I'm just saying just this is your this is the one of the most important things in your life, this football team. We know it. You don't have to tell us that it's not true because we know it. And it we is. hear it in your voice right now. It is. It is important to me. Um, I have multiple defense mechanisms up, obviously. Um, they're they're a charade to you who listens to this. But to me they aren't like they do Well they that was oh see now now we're getting to it. They can't they had been up, and they came all like they came all the way down for that Mullins game. Like when they entered, especially by the because... time they intercepted that pass and had the ball, they were down. The walls had been on fire, and then suddenly the enemy 
Well, that game hurt me because, like, the idea that Nick Mullins, who I've always kind of loved Nick Mullins, to be honest, um, the idea that he would pull it off and he came so close, it almost became one of my favorite Browns wins of all time. Like, I'm talking top three, top four, top five, and it turned into Satan's baby inside of my mouth. Ooh, gross. (laughs) All right, we better stop talking about this game. It's getting a little weird. Um... Raiders, right, Raiders get Drew Locke this week. Uh, they're not Drew out of Locke, it yet. But they're, they're guess not what? Out of it yet. They're probably going to lose. And the Browns, yeah, they'll probably lose at Green Bay on Christmas. Probably, but you never know in the season. You don't even know who's going to be playing. Don Majikowski could be quarterback for the Packers by Christmas. Who knows? <laughs> so don't assume anything. But, yes, Greg is right. Um, they have two division games against teams that are no better or no worse than them, the Browns, uh, to wrap the season. Um I thought it was so sweet, Mark, when uh, Greg complimented your rookie linebacker and you went, thank you for saying that. No, because you know what? No, Greg and I have talked about that previously. But it's just like, uh... I don't know anybody else that would respond to a football compliment uh, like that. Like it was personally like someone had complimented you about something you had done. Well, it matters to me that Greg sees what I feel I've been seeing. And like uh, we've talked about. That's good. JOK before and we agree. Right. Okay. Let's well, let's take a break and we're going to bring in a special guest to talk Eagles Washington. And there he is. You know who he is. Well, you don't cuz I haven't announced it yet, but maybe when the podcast is out, you're going to see it in the little summary. Maybe Ricky gives him the headline, the name of the show, maybe he's in that. I think he deserves it cuz I think he's a big Headliner. deal. Headliner. Yeah. He mm. is the great John Gonzalez. Gonzo, what's up baby? Gentlemen, Good to see you. What's up, man? How are you? You you How's performed. We are relying on you so much uh, really for this are, yes. Eagles uh, Washington you know game here because you know we were at another game, so you could yes, tell us we anything the, happened. The the, te- the dictionary definition of out of pocket uh, for <laughs> Washington Eagles. So let's hit the highlight and get into it with Gonzo, the native Philadelphian. Hurts again. Is rolling, he's looking, he is firing, and it's caught! Touchdown! He got it to Greg Ward, who spun around and brought it to his chest. Ah, the great Merrill Reese with the call. Jalen Hurts was back in the lineup, and he said, Gardner means you. That's a nice story, but I'm that guy. I'm that kid. He ran for two touchdowns, threw for another. Eagles come from behind to beat the COVID-19 ravaged Washington football teams, 27-17. to 17. Uh, Eagles moved to 7-7. Seven and seven. They are alive and well in the playoff race. Washington now fading at 6-8. and eight. Gonzo, you watched this from um, Gonzalez Manor with perhaps your lovely wife, Connie Fox, the tiny box. What were your takeaways uh, from this one? I think anytime you can beat a quarterback that I hadn't heard of before he started on a Tuesday, great <laughs> NFC East win. Really, really up there with all of the other uh, Tuesday night games that they've played. The last time they played a Tuesday night game, uh, Rosie tweeted at me about this. They lost to Joe Webb after a blizzard. Uh, and the then governor, Governor Rendell, had called everybody wusses for not playing the game, which then <laughs> launched a book called Nation of Wusses. So wow. this Tuesday night game, greater than symbol that Tuesday night game. 
This was better. This was better than the night when um, Michael Vick's MVP dreams went to die. Come on, your Eagles are seven and seven. This is a frisky little, frisky little outfit here, Gonzo. Is Philly's got to be getting behind outfit? this this team. I, where are you is at? It a frisky outfit? Uh, because yeah. oh, absolutely. What so was their was record? Thinking... They were like two and five, and now they're seven and seven, and they're maybe the best running team in the league. That you would think that's a team that the the Eagles could get behind, that Philly could get behind. I'm. So something that I've learned through um, years of watching this team is never believe. Like it's with the exception of the year that they won the Super Bowl and we were all there. Uh, never believe. And specifically, like you said, they're, they're a frisky team. Like who have they beaten that's any good? The the Saints is their best win. And mm. if they they could end up with ten wins this season, because uh, they've got you know the the three division games left, and there's a chance that who knows the Cowboys sit their starters in that last game. But then they'll have 10 wins, nine of which are largely hollow, and then the other one is the Saints. So I don't know. I don't know how frisky this team. Do you, do you trust them even if they, they make the playoffs? I don't. I'd ask you this. I mean, I don't, I'm not sure any team is good in the NFL this season. But secondly, like, they did go through a metamorphosis where they said, we're just going to run the ball at everyone. And, and tonight, again, against this Washington defense that I know they're, they were COVID-stricken, um, but they did get some guys back um, along the defensive line before this game. Philly still ran for 238 yards. It's like, Oof. we're going to do this every week. They did it again. It's like, you got to give them a little credit for the fact that this is their identity. They lean into it and it work. It's working. Gonzo, here, how about a little history? Maybe this will provide some perspective and maybe you will start to get a little more excited yeah. about Philly. I think he's just nonplus because he he was like watching us talk uh, about the Browns game well, in the waiting like, room. I think he's like, and I he was like, let's get on with it. He's like, I've got, uh, I've got something to do. yards rushing. They became the first team with 175-plus yards on the ground in seven consecutive games since, wait for it, the 1985 Chicago Bears. Now, that Bears team Thank was you. known, obviously, for its great defense, but obviously they did some things right offensively as well. Now, what you're going to tell me, Gonzo, I guess, is that because the opponents have been so bad, you can't put too much into the running game. But the fact that they impose their will upon opponents week after week and they have this exciting kid behind center that makes people miss and can throw the ball a little bit too. I mean, this is more fun than last year's Eagles team, right? I mean, everything's relative. Uh, (laughs) More fun than last year's Eagles team is a low bar. Look, the running game has been fun. You're absolutely right about that. And this is something that, early in the season was driving Eagles fans insane because they weren't running the ball as much and everybody was clamoring for them to run the ball. And then all of a sudden they start running the ball and they have some success. So that part's to the good. I'm all for that. The part about the exciting kid under center, Dan, you just revealed how not Philadelphian you are because that the jury's still out on that one. And that Gardner Minshew game, nobody look two things that Philadelphia loves run the ball and the backup quarterback. So as long as there there is a backup quarterback existing, somebody somewhere in Philadelphia, and, and frankly, several someones, lots of someones, will be clamoring for that guy to be the quarterback. So yeah, like Jalen t- tonight was he was good. Uh, the early like early in the game, he made some bad decisions, which he's wont to do. There were turnovers that led to those first ten Washington points, and after that, he settled down and they got going. Um, but also, like I said, they beat a guy who. What was he doing on Thursday before they signed him on? He was Friday? on the P- Patriots practice squad two he weeks ago. He was actually ago. in Vegas. Garrett, in the one man Garrett show. Gilbert. 
But you know, he doesn't play defense. They put up, they put up 500 yards of offense against a Washington team that's been pretty good. And I know they they were missing some players, but they got most of them yeah, can you back. Not actually, step on my Gilbert Gottfried callbacks. Yeah, uh, I appreciate that. No, the Gottfried callback. Like, so Gonzo, what's the vibe at the house? Are you guys like just super? Um, is there a lot of negging going on? A lot of like negative energy about around the Viking or the. Eagles, or are you excited about what you're? Mark's still emotional about the Browns conversation. You got to give him a no, little. I just, pass. I'm trying to find out what what the vibe is where you're. I mean, you seem to be coming in from a bit of a, a little bit of a a down vibe. No, on, I, on like the I Eagles. said to you, you take you take a win yeah. anytime you can get a win. Let's put it this: this season has been consistently uh, results oriented in terms of feelings. So after the Giants loss, they're the worst team in the NFL. They're not going anywhere. And after the Jets win, sorry, Dan, earmuffs. Uh, you know what? Book your tickets. You're coming out to LA because maybe this team could go on a run there or maybe they're, they're frisky like Rosie said. So at seven and seven, it's like, it's been every single weekend has been a, a roller coaster. I mean, even going back to uh, the Falcons game, which was their, their first game of the season, which they won. And we thought, okay, maybe there's, maybe there's a little something to this team. Ultimately, it's hard for me though to like really believe in the Eagles because there's just been so much conditioning over the years. Like with the exception of one year, it usually turns out terribly. Um, and people should also know it's past 9 p.m. on the West Coast right now, so it's John's bedtime as well, just about I think. So if he seems a little like low key, that that plays in as well. Look, I'm up and energized for you guys. I had a full day of uh, doing stuff and working and. Hanging out with Connie, and we appreciate and now, it. Brother. Look at this, yeah. the nightcap. Yeah, you've got you've got your uh, Sports Illustrated podcast starting soon, don't you? What's going on uh, here? Mid January, yeah. Um, I mean, before... wait, so by the way, Gonzo yeah. and I did a, a cross country trip from well, across half the country from uh, L.A. to Houston for a Super Bowl, and he stayed up uh, quite late many of those nights, and we had <laughs> adventures that we can't speak of here on the I show. Love, so I love that uh, all of a sudden I'm being painted as. <laughs> Uh, old man Gonzo, who has well, you has like to, to take naps. We've been bed. there. We've we've done weekend trips with you. You're a guy that likes to get his 17 hours. Oh, I love a nap. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't like a nap? A nap is it can be uh, really rejuvenating. Um, <laughs> before we let you go, and this this is kind of a more like overarching question, and I feel like it would be a good like uh, profile story, but it's probably already been written, so it doesn't matter. But you mentioned it that why why does philadelphia love the backup why why don't why are they always looking past the guy that is probably the guy to the guy that probably isn't the guy but hypothetically could why what is the psychology behind that for the city it's a sickness uh we all have it we've all caught it it's uh quarterback covid for us <laughs> going back to randall cunningham with jim mcmahon right up through Basically every backup that was ever a backup for McNabb. I mean, like the the greatest quarterback in, in franchise history, they wanted to replace him the entire time. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I mean, like, I think I think it's part of um, the lack of success. Like, again, I keep saying this the one season where they won the Super Bowl, but they won it with the backup quarterback. So um, maybe we're on to something. Maybe we knew. All <laughs> maybe I it's like a lack of self con inner self-confidence. I don't know. Somehow. Maybe. Coming Maybe out civic way. wide, civic wide. That's before <laughs> before you guys cut me loose, though. Um, 
is does Rosie always make those faces as you guys are as you other two are talking? Oh like, yeah, that's the improving uh, that, faces. That's the uh, resting Greg face. Don't read into that. <laughs> I'm because I'm making I'm I'm making conversation with everybody here, and all, all I see is a, a pained look yeah. on Rosie's face. There's no oh, pain. I, there's I, a big. I, there's I, a I lot of smiles. Up, I also it's a lot of smiles personally, and like I start to then I start to rail on it verbally. It's the RG. I, I, I think is, you know why I'm pained is because you're because you're just like dismissing Jalen Hurts as I like go over and look and look say oh Rager. Had a 34-yarder. I haven't watched this game yet. Devontae Smith, 28. Goddard has 45, 7 for 135. Like, I always wanted to watch a, an athletic quarterback. Like, Jalen Hurts is one of the best running quarterbacks uh, in the NFL, and he's a second-year starter, like a second-round pick. Like, what more What more do these people want? And you, and you get all excited about Gardner so Minshew. he was scowling at you. Then. Like, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I was point, scouting. Point you get all excited done, about so Gardner Minshew floating a couple seven-yard passes that people run with after the catch. Point being I mean, done, so you just, cannot win. Greg silly, is coming silly. at you with a minor nuclear bomb that's going to land right in the middle of your head. Uh, so Dallas Goddard looked good. Jalen Hurts made... A couple of really nice throws, one of which was to Greg Ward, who I like. I honestly, I was like, my God, I forgot about Greg Ward. He's still on the team for a touchdown, so that was good. Uh, is, and, are you happy but, now that he's saying these things, Greg? Does this make you happy? Will you sleep yeah. better tonight? But Greg, I'm honestly of like Philadelphia, uh, Philadelphians who have watched every Eagles game this year, despite the way that you're interpreting this. I'm probably higher on Jalen Hurts than most, so that tells you where mm. everybody else is. Mm. All right, there he, John yeah, Gonzalez. Approving grunts and noises from him. <laughs> <laughs> you can that's find him got. now, formerly of The Ringer. Now he's over at SI. He's got a podcast that's coming out. He's a storyteller. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at John Gonzalez. Yeah, you know who it is. It's Gonzo. John Ronald um, Gonzalez, born March 12, 1977, is an American sports writer who's married to NFL media broadcaster Colleen Wolf. John, who's a Pisces, resides in Los Angeles with his wife and two dogs. I also like I look that... forward to my mentions being full of that tomorrow. That bit still won't die, so thank you. And I also, we all want to thank you. In a time where you never feel like you could trust anything anymore, things are always changing underneath our feet. We never have to change that drop. It always, all the bio information is exactly <laughs> the same as it was five years ago. No, it's precise. We should actually, we should add that he got the J and J shot because we are brothers in the J and J and we've been through this adversity together and I feel like the J and J that's like the next the next most defining aspect of Gonzo's life as far as I'm concerned uh it's it's depressingly true Dan none of the information has changed you're right yeah we like this. we can count <laughs> everything's exactly the same all right buddy thank you for staying up and uh doing this with us we really did need did need the help and you delivered it buddy we'll see you soon all right, love you guys. See ya. There goes Johnny. Johnny Gonzalez. Love that guy. Uh, we have one more game to hit. Uh, it wasn't the best game of the week. In fact, it might have been the worst game of the year on the primetime slate. Ah, we're going to do it anyway. Hit it, Ricky. Kirk Patrick, Dave, JJ, end zone, caught, touchdown! Justin Jefferson, back left of the end zone. It's a 12-yard touchdown. It's number eight this season for JJ. Man, Paul Allen, he can make anything sing, even that game. 17-9, the Vikings won uh, to keep their postseason hopes alive. Greg and I locked it up. That's a good job by us. But it was a game. <laughs> First of all, the Bears, just a total mess. Uh, five personal fouls, 
including one by the head coach. I w- I could have sworn, but around late in the second quarter, I thought that Matt Nagy was leaving that stadium in handcuffs. Like I was certain he was going to inflict bodily harm <laughs> on someone and run afoul of the law. That did not happen, at least not that I know of. Uh, but ultimately, uh, the Bears, as an operation, are just as Mark would call them, perhaps a floating corpse. So they are now four and ten. Uh, and they are just waiting to get to the finish line. Now, the, the Vikings, Greg, this team's interesting uh, every week, except for this week when they played the Bears. So the Bears obviously have some type of magical power. I thought taken out of this game as someone who is kind of rooted for the Vikings and has enjoyed the Vikings this season, it was a little disturbing for Kirk Cousins to have a second dog game in a row in December and finish with 87 yards passing a career low uh, against the Chicago defense missing so many players uh, that they were calling up guys from the practice squad to play defense. Their entire defensive backfield uh, was on the COVID list or injured, and yet Cousins could do nothing, and it doesn't seem to bode well for the Vikings' offense. Or am I putting too much into it because the Vikings, week to week, completely reboot themselves? Right. Like next week, they have the Rams, who are going to be on a short week, and you can almost see Cousins. It'll be indoors, you know, throwing for three thirty again. And and yet I can't like this. These this last month, it's really if you look at his season, it peaked about mid season, and it, and personally, he's been a little on the decline since. But this was outrageous. He 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 dropped back to pass twenty eight times. They averaged two point two yards per play, and like Zimmer had no, no confidence in him by the end of the game. But who could blame him? And what did it matter? Because his defense wasn't giving up any points. It it was just kind of crazy. Crazy. It was partly his interior offensive line, which has been a problem all year. It's partly Adam Thielen being out, but he just gets in those modes. Like the, when he threw the ball out of bounds on the Hail Mary in to end the first half because he didn't want to mess up his touchdown to interception ratio. I thought like that's a that's why people don't like Kirk Cousins that play. <laughs> Because that's what he did. He didn't want to mess up the TD to interception rate. No, and he threw it out of bounds on purpose. Oh, 100%. No, you know who was tweeting all about that? Former quarterbacks. Former quarterbacks are the ones saying that, like no, Nate you know Tyson stuff. Done? Everyone's saying the that. The real move there, when quarterbacks don't want to do that, and like Tom Brady would do the same thing on some level too, I believe that, is you throw underneath. Sure, but he's great to back it up. So right. then you you throw care. underneath. And then they get, you know, 41 yards and get tackled at the 14 and the half's over anyway, so the defense doesn't care. That would have been the move if he was really looking out for his stats. Yeah, I don't know. That's, yeah. I like it. I like the theory, though. You're, you're probably right. One play over 10 yards in the whole game by their passing you. I don't know. Like, I know I know that, um, you know, the Bears are a thing of the past at this point, and we don't need to focus too much on them, but like you said, Dan, to have your entire secondary wiped away by COVID. I mean, this team was all of, all of these games happened because these teams were wiped out by the coronavirus slash Omnicron. Um, I get it. But I mean, the bears defense, I thought put forward, like they, they put forth an incredible effort in this game. They really did. I mean, it's like um, Akeem Hicks was all over the place. Uh, I mean, just it's, it's lost in the shuffle. But the, their offense finished the game with three drives um, that ended on downs. I mean, they had a terrible missed field goal in this game. They had a terrible uh, fumble by the quarterback. I mean, they had a couple turnovers all over the place. It's like they allowed the Vikings just to continue to pound on them when had they gotten a even vaguely 
uh, vaguely competent performance by the offense, they would have been fine with well, what the defense here's the gave thing, them. Though, they moved the ball most of the they game. They had 370 they did, yards but they of didn't offense. Score. They didn't score. They didn't score. I don't care. It's like, That's fine. Yardage is fine. No, but, but like, they moved the ball, but it was like – and, you know, their, their coaching staff also impacted. So Matt Nagy is calling the plays again. Bill Lazor is out of the picture. And, yeah, they, they out-threw in terms of passing 255 to 61. They outgained – uh, Minnesota 370 to 193 um, and they just had so many mistakes and and some you know bad luck with certain things getting feet down in the end zone bobbles things like that um, uh, but when you just add it all together the whole stew you know there are like 50,000 Bears fans that went to that game and they were just subjected to just continual disappointment possession after possession so yeah the Bears are a mess the, the Vikings are the relevant team here but I just think as uh, I just don't know how much longer the uh, the Vikings will be relevant because I don't know if I buy Cousins snapping out of this slump. This this has been going on for a while now. It's been a little bit under the radar because he keeps throwing two touchdowns every game. And so that keeps fantasy owners uh, satisfied and, and they're winning more than they're losing the last month or two. But they are not the same offense and he is not the same quarterback. And I think that to me, uh, as simplified as it may seem, was the big thing that jumped out to me. Neither, no, one, you're, neither you're absolutely one of these right. teams matter. Like I, I, I'm not. No, the Viking, the Vikings have been very entertaining and interesting. I think they could snap back. It would be very typical of them. They have the Rams and the Packers the next two weeks to at least win one of those. I two. can see it, but get also, to get I get wonder. to Week 18 with like a little bit of hope, and then lose to the Bears in the rematch. Right. That that end? feels like <laughs> the way end? this I mean, this I, ends. Like, like let's these are two teams Uh-oh. that are part of our previous Uh-oh. existence. They do not exist right now. Get them, Mark. Get them, buddy. I'm forking both of them. They're both out. <laughs> I mean, we already forked the Bears back in it September. Didn't matter. This could I'm have been the greatest the game Vikings of all right time. Now. I'm forking the Vikings right now. Coming after You're that out. Browns game, these teams were both. They had the the bullseye on them for, at Sessler Nation. They they were no. This well, was a, this was the worst primetime yeah. game I think of the it season. Was. I you think know, you called it ugly. right, Dan. I, I, I right. had a weird memory. Um, back in like two thousand and five or two thousand and six, when I lived in L.A., knew nobody, um, fell into relations with this one um, young starlet type girl that was forget about it. I mean, and then what it do you mean went starlet. To- she was a successful actress had that vibe to her i'm just saying back then and it the whole thing ended and it was a two or three week scenario that ended um in a bar fight in culver city and i'm just gonna leave it right there but like i spent the next two weeks you know it's the football season i'm watching football and it was just like nothing had any meaning and that's how i felt about this vikings bears game watching it it had zero meaning my heart had been broken earlier in the day ricky can you jump in a second Nothing mattered on any level. What's going on with Mark? Nothing mattered. I I feel like we should probably just wrap the show. (laughs) I'm just saying, don't try to come at me with a Bears-Vikings game that is, I think, one of the worst. No, you're right. We don't need to spend a lot of time on this. There's a lot more important stuff, like starlets leaving you at a bar fight and stuff. There's a lot (laughs) that we need to unpack as, like, a family here, so I feel like we should just, like, hit the outro music. Like, Ricky's just like we got to end this. This is already twenty. Ricky, yeah, Ricky's like we, we got a we got a plane to catch in the morning. She and I, oh you God, know, my, I'm getting up at three forty, so I'm getting up in like six out four hours. Um, four games, sixty minutes. That's how we do it. Football's family. All right, so week fifteen's in the rear view.
Mark's going to be okay. I know some people might be alarmed a little bit. Yeah, he's fine. Today's show, he's going to be fine. And he's got he's got three games left with his Cleveland Browns. Uh, and they have a chance still to win a division, make some noise. They're not like the Vikings or the Bears. They're not dead. They're alive. He'll tell you that. I won't I tell mean, you just, anything. Just wait, just wait for Christmas morning when Mr. Sessler unwraps a Browns game <laughs> with <Right>. his family. <laughs> Good luck. Here's a box. Let's go Browns. Here's a box. We're, we are all squirrel and We're all Browns fans. Did he really need to put the Browns on Christmas, no. Raj? You know. Oh, yeah, he man. has to think about. We got to pick up the boys, guys. We got to take. He's got to think, think about of your employees. Come on, Rog. Think of Mark. Um. Anyway, so this is our obviously functions as our. It's a little different than a regular Tuesday episode, but that's what it is. Thursday, you'll get the preview of uh, Week 16, and then uh, we'll be back Sunday night, which is the day after Christmas. Uh, recapping everything in week 16. And let's just cross our fingers because things just seem to get worse and worse because this virus is just so contagious that I just don't know. I I worry, knock on wood here, I worry how we're going to finish the season, uh, even with the different protocols. Hopefully things get calmed down and we get a a normal week of football next week. But uh, there's a lot of indecision in the world. But we can tell you a lot of things that we don't know Right now, we could tell you we will be here. There could be 16 games next week. There could be zero games next week. The Around the NFL podcast will be here for you. Unless, you know, other things dictate that we're not here. It's all up in the air. We will, we will be here. Every I day can't imagine. We'll be here until yeah, they this... tell us, hit the street. Hit the bricks. <laughs> all right. That's it. I am sorry for uh, stepping on the Godfrey joke, you know. Um, Proud of that one. It's a bad habit of mine. Personal growth, I, I want to improve on that, but uh, it ruined what could have been a great you know, a great callback. To be honest with you, if, uh, if we went back to the replay, I might have kind of come in off the turnbuckle on it, and maybe what I wanted mm. you to do is, like, step out of the way uh, so the Godfrey elbow drop could land. So that's not something you have to do either. So it was just maybe one of those things where we mm. both could have been a little bit more delicate with it. And we just, oh, we're used to being now. in the studio. We're used to being together in the studio by now we're, that we're, um, we're back to like working out the kinks. Look at you at two. Home. How cute this is. So who's the starlet? Uh, uh, Kirsten Dunst, a uh, 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 young right, Dominique yeah. Swain. Uh, who are we talking here? No, no. I mean, not there was no actual, you know, professional attachment to that. No, but like if you had to compare her to someone like Molly Ringwald, Christina Ricci, Molly Ringwald, throwing names out, out. Acharo. We gotta go. We gotta go. Bridget Bardot, maybe. (laughs) A young Bardot. Yeah. Wait, no, Mark. Who was that actress from from your time? My um, time. She was really big in. Betty Davis. You know, in like the twenties. In the twenties. What does that mean? Like what are you what really yeah, she, oh yeah, she was she was good when they made the transition to the talkies, right? You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. When they went silent film to to <laughs> color not color. No, God no. Not Judy color, Garland. but when they yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's who this you were is, really this into. This is uh, Erica's kid. way of saying you're old, Mark, but I this think is, you look great for your well, age. Well, that's fine. I'm not I won't respond. All right, we I are going now. Do. I get what you're trying to do. Bye. Uh, Dan Hansen signing up for Quiet Storm, the old boss, Gonzo, Ricky Hollywood. Uh, till Thursday. Heat the car.